Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 11th, 2012. For newcomers, I always suggest that you make use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and you'll find lots and lots of audios for free download where I take you through the reality behind the system you're born into, the one that you're taught is reality. It's actually a fake, actually. And uh, your whole existence is going to be a matter of programming you to believe in the fake reality. It's always been that way. Because, remember, the art of governing peoples is ancient. Ancient. And uh, if you look into the ancient histories of uh, the different religions that were used uh, from the earliest possible times that we have any record of, uh, religion was awfully important on behalf of leaders for keeping people uh, well-behaved and servile to their masters. And today, of course, religion has been pushed out of the, wo- of the way, basically, and they have science behind it, neuroscience and so on, and behaviorism. Uh, that's how they run us today. And your parents didn't know to tell you because they didn't know either. They believed the reality that was indoctrinated into them. And then you get it at school as well when you leave your parents, and you, you must, in fact, get that early indoctrination at school in order for later propaganda to take effect. And Jack Zillow, who was a great philosopher, talked about that. So, as I say, help yourself to the website because it's awfully important to know the books, etc., that the big boys themselves have written on the subject of controlling all of you. I'm talking about the whole world over, in fact, because it's a, a global agenda. And when they decided to start it, who got together to, to form their first club? and how they finance it. Really, money is the technique of running the world today. And debt, of course. So, help yourself to that. Remember, too, you are the audience that uh, bring me to you, because I don't bring on advertisers as guests. And uh, therefore, I depend upon you for buying the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. From the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can use a personal check, and you can also, to order that is, and you can also use... um, uh, an international postal money order, or you can use PayPal. Some people send cash. And across the rest of the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. And uh, remember, straight donations are really, really, really welcome right now. Now, reality is the key to everything. Reality is is, is uh, what it all hinges on. What you take of is, is being real. All children come into the world and they look around them. If their parents aren't worried about things, they're not worried. And therefore, everything around them at that time must be normal. That's as simple as that. You can be born into a totalitarian state, as we've had examples of the past. And uh, and uh, you could always point the finger, in fact, at a totalitarian state and say, well, thank goodness we're not like them. Well, you can't do that anymore because, you see, you are the totalitarian state. It's across the world. It's the same one system across the world, all arranged by multitudes of councils under the United Nations to make it all standardized. So you have no one to point the finger at, really. And uh, 
And because the children are born into this system, they'll grow up thinking it's all quite natural to go through all the different paraphernalia for metal detection at school, uh, pat-downs, and then it's a simple matter of continuing it through their, through their adult life as they go to airports, if they can even travel by then, and, uh, and even on the roads now and, and things like that. Totalitarianism, you see. Because at the phase of transition from the old system to the new system, you have a clash, and people get upset with clashes. They don't understand really what's happening, most of them. And therefore, you've got to have a totalitarian uh, Orwellian system as you bring in, alongside it, parallel with it, the Brave New World scenario. We're in both of them right now. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix, and I was thinking about reality and normalizing things, that's the term they use uh, today, is a new normal, that's what I call it, and that's been picked up and used with the mainstream too. Uh, lots of new normals are coming out too. You're, it's very Orwellian where you have double think and you're suddenly told to believe in something else, which is the opposite of what you used to believe in, and most folk adapt to it right away. And uh, it's, a, it's a technique which is well understood by uh, the dominant minority, as we call them. But one of the, the things they talked about uh, for, for quite a few years has been war. War itself would be conditioned into the public to be normalized. And we've had that with all these uh, presidential wars and governmental wars on drugs and different things and poverty as they create more poverty, things like that. And um, we get awfully used to it, you see. But also the normalization of war, period. That's physical war. And they had to do this because they've got a timetable, you see. They do have timetables at the top if you look into the United Nations. It uses the same techniques with five-year plans for water for this country, water supplies, and 10-year plans for this, and 50-year plans, 100-year plans, just as the Soviet Union used. And that's not a coincidence because, you see, it's based on the same communism type of socialistic aspect uh, that uh, the communists used because the bankers set up the United Nations and the bankers also created communism because, you see, they prefer this, a world where governments collect from the public the cash that's due instead of going round door to door with your heavy guys to collect. It's much, much better getting governments to, to borrow money and put the populations down as a guarantors. And so they prefer this system. Plus, under the socialist-type government or communistic-type government, you have massive, heavy bureaucracies and governmental departments, very essential for micromanaging every aspect of the population and society, and which we're under today is bringing more and more systems. Part of it, too, was also to attach to your government scientists, you see. Scientists would take over from religion and be appointed on every country's boards, basically, and uh, government's boards, right down to even local levels, and they would be the real bosses, just like the the, the, the priests in ancient times uh, were, were the bosses, you see. They had, to, they had to be consulted on any move, and they'd put their finger in the air and, and do a little dance or something, and, and then they'd say yes or no. Well, we have them today because there's only one agenda. It doesn't involve eugenics. It doesn't involve uh, altering society across the planet completely. Uh, depopulation has been a big part of it. your whole life. You didn't know it because they've been killing us off gradually. 
but, but speeding is up, speeding up the process, as I say, rather than scare us off, we all fell dead at one time, uh, you just kill them off with more and more cancers and more early deaths with, with tumors and youngsters and things like that. And this was discussed a long time ago by big players like Charles Galton, Darwin and others. Population was their main concern. Population really of what they called the rest of the public, not the real uh, humans, but the rest of the public, the useless eaters, as I like to call them. So getting the folk used to the war is an awfully essential part right now. And we've had that since, really, I can remember even when they started the Kosovo. And suddenly the United Nations was, was, was really catapulted into the news every day. Every day. It was incessant. United Nations, United Nations, NATO, United Nations. And really it went from there into the first Gulf War and it hasn't stopped since. We've been at perpetual war. And I've often talked about constant conflict, which is the article written in Parameters magazine, the, the, the US military magazine, the main one. But they talked about it too, that we're going to have nothing but generations of war. You grow up and, and fight and or at least hear about the wars and you think it's all quite natural. Normalizing everything. Anything can be normalized if you know how psychology works in the human brain, basically the mind. And you, you know too how, how people think. I mean, why do you think they have all these anthropologists across the planet for over a hundred years studying tribes doing different things? It's all to see how you think and how you can be made to think in a different way or made to behave in a different way. Your mind is like a computer. These guys learn how to program it, and you come to the desired conclusions and decisions on everything that's put into you. Now, here's an an article here, which is basically to show you how far it's gone with the the normalization of war. It says, This Week at War, it's from Foreign Policy magazine, This Week at War, Syria as Prologue. It's just a prologue, you see. And it says the uprising could be the sign of even bigger battles to come in the proxy war between Saudi Arabia and Iran, you see. And it's amazing how they even sway you off because they're giving you in the headline how you're supposed to take the rest of the article. Is it really between Saudi Arabia and Iran? Really? And it says the Turkish government hosted a conference last weekend in Istanbul to discuss possible international responses to Syria's budding civil war. Well, we know this is one of the latest uh, color revolutions where the U.S. government, USAID, and all the different NGOs that were sent over to foment the war for years in advance, actually, mainly at universities, uh, etc., it says the conference attendees, including the United States, along with dozens of other countries and organizations, that's the NGOs, that's the new democracy, they've got the only voices that's heard because they're funded with incredible amounts of money and work full-time, like full-time jobs at this, by the foundations. They're owned by the banks. The, the, I'm talking about the international bankers. And they call themselves the Friends of Syria. And it makes me think of Friends of the Earth. Have you ever looked at the Friends of the Earth, the quotes from the heads of the Friends of the Earth? They want to kill most of you. I'm not kidding. So anyway, it's amazing how everyone's conditioned to terminology. Understand that's, that's part of neuroscience. Because words, even letters, is part of the language that you are taught to think in and come to conclusions. And you can program the results by the way you feed in the information at the beginning. But so you say friends of Syria. That sounds wonderful. Friends. Well, like friends. It's a nice word. Uh, of Syria. But what are these friends of Syria? 
They want war. They want to get rid of the old regime and put on their own regime, basically. Same in Egypt, same elsewhere. But we've watched this for, for a long time now. And declared open support for the rebels fighting the Syrian army. The rebels is, is Al-Qaeda, who are now our friends, apparently. And, um, and they're getting paid to fight. So the friends also announced substantial financial support for the rebellion, including $100 million pledged by Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates to pay salaries to the fighters, a direct inducement to government soldiers to defect to the rebellion. For its part, the U.S. government pledged an additional $12 million in humanitarian assistance, I guess that's the shovels to bury all the dead, to international organizations aiding the Syrian opposition. This assistance will include satellite communications, equipment for rebel fighters, night vision goggles, and attending the conference, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton said discussions were occurring on how best to expand this support. So, so you know, nothing's happening, as I've always said, spontaneously. Nothing will in your lifetime. Any big movement in society, nationally or on an international level, takes years of preparation, lots of money, lots of organizations all working together. And it's the same kind of thing you're seeing here. But we see these articles every day and think nothing. It seems kind of remote from us, doesn't it? It's over there somewhere. Well, you better hope and pray that, you know, that taking out the last countries in the world that don't have central banking and don't give out loans with usury attached to them, you better hope that it lasts for a long time. Because believe you me, when they announce, yep, we've got the whole planet now, they have to go further in all of their implementations in a harsher fashion in all the, the countries of, that's our countries basically. We ought to be taught the complete new way of life and utter, you think it's bad now, wait till they really get rolling on austerity. See, you're the last enemy, if you don't know by now. The Royal Institute of International Affairs that started up comprised of international bankers, moneylenders, and spawned off the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations. They have organizations in every single country in the world. Every prime minister or president is one of their members and is selected to be uh, the prime minister or president. Uh, they've been on the go for an awful long time. They set up the United Nations to do what they're doing. And believe you me, they have no favorite countries. Even if they started in London, doesn't matter. This is, this is their world, they claim. And it should be run with themselves being the natural, naturally fittest to survive since they've conquered everybody financially. And they command the governments as to what to do. And they, they, they own the military industrial complex across the planet. They own it. All the big corporations are under it. They actually own them. But they're going to, they've got lots of plans for you, believe you me. So Hillary Clinton and the rest of them want to expand this support to slaughter off uh, the, those ones there. The same list, of course, that Israel had in the 90s, all these countries, one after another, and the same same list that, uh, I guess, it swapped them, basically, at the project for the New American Century Group, uh, that Wolfowitz and the rest of them, Pearl, Rumsfeld, and so on, were all involved in. Same Same list. And, um, of course, they want Iran as well. But they also wanted to go into all the other countries which are also still Muslim. That has to be eradicated according to the big boys at the top. And then instead of having their, their big um, high pashas at the top, they're basically, their muftis, 
they'll have to put in, you know, guys like Holden, the scientific guys, the, guy, the eugenicists at the top, the new high priests. They'll run them just like we're getting run too. So, the normalizing of war. As I say, look at the title. It says, uh, the uprising could be the sign of even bigger battles to come in the proxy war between Saudi Arabia and Iran. It's not between Saudi Arabia and Iran. We all know that. And it looks to me like this is even a handout to the newspapers, which is all very often done by the Pentagon, because I don't see anybody's name attached to it from the foreign policy magazine. And that's how you're controlled. Your thoughts are given to you in a particular format. You will come to the desired conclusion because they understand how your mind works. Works on most folk, but not on everybody. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix. Just talking about reality behind all the illusions that are fed to us on a daily basis. Remember in the 70s that Brzezinski said that the public will shortly be unable to reason for themselves. Now he wasn't talking from the top of his head there, just uh, some kind of strange dream he'd had the night before. He was talking because he had all the studies at hand. He was involved in going over all these studies to do with humanity and how we think and and, and how we prattle to ourselves. Because even then, you see, they were taking data about stories that they put out in the press. Who was prattling about what? Were they people going for it? Were they not? And that's an old technique, very old technique, to give us our thoughts, thoughts for the day, you see. And uh, he said shortly the public will be unable to reason for themselves, and they'll depend upon the media uh, doing it all for them. And the media gives you all your opinions, you'll notice too. They always slant it towards an opinion, or they get two guys fighting this side, that side, and eventually you take the winner, and that becomes your opinion. You've never actually thought through it. It's been done for you. You're a passive observer. But you also got do- downloaded with the final opinion. Even though you only got really given maybe one-tenth of the, the facts on any particular topic. That's how simple it is. And money, of course, at the bottom of everything, is, is a technique to control the world. Quigley went into that, Professor Carr Quigley. He said that uh, central banks would be established across the world, private, in private hands, and would run the finances of every country. And they would also eventually uh, come under an umbrella organization. They'd be form an umbrella organization under uh, the Bank for International Settlements in Switzerland. But that's all happened since then, you see. So this Royal Institute of International Affairs, Dash Council on Foreign Relations, and many other names it's got, basically run the world. They have all their members there, including your prime ministers and, and presidents as well. It doesn't matter if it's left-wing, right-wing, it's their boy, but they're always a member, always a member of it. And he said that too, and he should know it since he was the official historian for the group. But money's a key, and it doesn't matter what money is, it's all con anyway, because they talk about the gold standard and it's this fractional reserve. You know, In other words, you can keep a fraction of something of real value, or they claim it's real value, put it that way, and, and stock while they dish out paper money and, and create money out of nothing with loans and things like that. And that's what it's done. It's, that's really how it's done, isn't it? It's quite something. But they're going a step further now because, of course, we've all to go digital. And uh, it says the Royal Canadian Mint is to create a digital currency. 
uh, I think Sweden's also going along with this. But the Mint is offering a prize of $50,000 in gold to the developer who comes up with the best technology to support this new digital currency called the Mint Chip. The Mint is offering a prize in gold waivers as well. It's actually gold waivers, they say. The Royal Mint was wants to get rid of, of wants to get rid of pocket change and it's enlisting hacker types for help. That's to get all the youngsters in the hacker types. Oh, I'm a hacker type. Just less than a week after the government announced the penny is is going to be taken out of circulation, it's impending death. The Mint quietly unveiled its digital currency called Mintship. Still in the research and development phase, Mintship will ultimately let people pay each other directly using smartphones, USB sticks, computers, tablets, and clouds. The digital currency will be anonymous, of course it will. You really believe that nothing's anonymous out there. And of course, it's to get everybody into it before they start taxing you and your transactions, which they will do. Those who've lived long enough know that government always lies, but they've got to put out a mousetrap. That's what they call them, mousetraps, and you all get into it. And then it closes on you, you see. So it'll be anonymous and good for small transactions, just like cash, the mint says. To make sure its technology meets the gold standard in a world where digital transactions are gaining steam, the Mint is holding a contest for software developers to create applications using the Mint chip. And as I say, solid, solid gold waivers will be given as prizes uh, and, uh, and coins worth about $50,000. But that will be shared amongst all the, the, the prunes that go for this and try it. So they get, they're going get, to get this done for pretty well nothing. It's such an unusual move from the Crown Corporation. Uh, you know what Crown Corporation is? Well, you know, even the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, can't find out. It, it, it's a strange combination of public-private. It's always been here under HM Queen's uh, system, you see. And the only ones where there, there are shares at the top that don't go for sale to the public. Nothing goes for sale for the public. But there, there are shares at the top which, which go to the, the crown and the relatives of HM Queen, you know. So it's such an unusual move from the crown corporation, which has been in the coin making business for more than a hundred years. And it says that Hacker News questioned whether it was an elaborate hoax. It's not the Mint Chief's financial officer, Mark Brule, said Tuesday. Commerce is changing and the Mint has always been innovative. Well, it surely has making money or nothing. But anyways, it says here, that's what it says there. And then there's another one. Uh, it's, it's actually on, uh, it's from the Star, the, the newspaper of the Star. There's always a sun for the right wing and a star for the left wing. You'll notice in most countries, you know, and Canada has them. It says the Mint, the same thing, is offering the $50,000 in gold to the developer who comes up with the best technology to support his new digital currency. So everybody will eventually be doing all the transactions, even the petty ones, you see, that you would use pocket change for at one time. And they say, well, it's going to be anonymous. Everybody think, oh, wow, I'll make a fortune off this. Transit. No, no, you won't. Because once enough people have got it, you know darn well they're going to tax you to death. That's what governments do. So I'll also put in tonight, and I think I've used it before, it's a, it's a 12-year-old girl in Canada explains the crimes of the Canadian banking system, how it runs. And you can learn it in 10 minutes, it's, it's for sure. But uh, it's the same con across the world. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix talking about just the farce in which we live and we take it all for granted, it's normal because everything, all the media tells you it is and, and people who really believe the media will tell you the same thing they'll part it to you and then they'll part it to their children but as I say, I'll put up that link tonight where the 12-year-old girl explains how the Canadian banking system works and it didn't used to work like that too because we, we had a real Canadian bank at one time until Trudeau came in, really, and um, and had to get into the international system by creating massive debt. But he was a sworn communist. It's quite amazing. All the media knew he was a communist, uh, and because they all knew that he led the common turn international, uh, the, the, the common turn over to this meeting, this annual meeting in the Soviet Union back in 1952. But not one of them mentioned it when he ran for office. And you think you think the, the right wing w- wouldn't use that kind of stuff? Oh, come on. See, there's no right wing or left wing. It's just the same bird, isn't it? Attached to the same bird. That's why you keep voting. Oh, we'll get rid of this bunch. They're, they're, they're terrible. Let's try the other bunch. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That's all you do. I also put up O Canada again tonight, the, the, the excellent documentary a, a young guy did. And he interviewed different ex-prime ministers and current politicians who had, some of them had no clue how the money system worked, although they keep passing taxes on you. And guys like Martin, Paul Martin, actually tries to explain to him why debt is great for Canada. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's quite a world we live in, eh? Now, I'm also putting up uh, a couple of links on the Trilateral Commission tonight. I've got a link. It's very important. See, when the Royal Institute of International Affairs set up, they took the Marxian policy that eventually the world would have three massive trading blocks, all subservient to a, a, a global government. And um, the, the United Europe was one part of it, the first part, then the United Americas and the Pacific Rim region group that would come under China. And they set up three different organizations, front organizations, Institute for Pacific Region was one of them. They set that back up in the 1920s to work and try and get them all fighting and then coming together after wars in the different regions. And it was awfully effective even the Pacific Rim region. And uh, so I'll put this up tonight, the Trilateral Ship uh, World Membership uh, for the Executive Committee and a little bit from Wiki on it as well. And you'll see all the famous names there that you're used to hearing and seeing are members of this group sworn to bring in world government. Uh, but not any old world government, you see, it's a specific type of world government run by the, a socialist mentality, but bankers at the top who want scientists to run it all the way it should be and bring down the population, etc., etc., by any means possible, and also dumb us all down so that we're very compliant. They, they talked in the 1920s about using... Uh, medicine, pharmacology to, to, that's why, you know, you had that in Brave New World, Soma. Look at all the children today, they're all drugged. A good chunk of the adult population is drugged as well and on either illicit or legal. Doesn't matter, they have to get it to you, they get it to you one way or another. It works awfully well, doesn't it? So I'll put that up tonight along with a little wiki. It's quite amazing too. On the wiki it says, the Trilateral Commission is a non-governmental, they all say that, you see. Because they're not governments. Although they put guys into government, they're not a governmental system that they're under. They're a club, basically. Non-partisan, you see. 
They bring in communists, they bring in everything. And it tells you that Quigley said the same thing. We don't mind bringing in dictators, uh, communists, uh, fascists, whatever. But bring them all in, you see. This world system. Discussion group founded by David Rockefeller in July 1973. Once you say before that, they were called by their ori- original names, Institute of Pacific Relations and blah, 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 blah. Friends of, of uh, Europe and uh, these organizations had lots of organizations before they eventually called it the Trilateral Commission. So David Rockefeller in 1973 to foster closer cooperation amongst the United States, Europe and Japan because that's your three main trading blocks, you see. That's what it was about. And it's amazing, it's amazing to me, too, that they, they didn't know if Japan would ever stop being so nationalistic, you see. And they didn't let multiculturalism really get to them that much. They were awfully aware of who was coming in and leaving the country. They made sure you left the country. And bang, they get hit. They're the one, the one sort of thorn in the side that just wouldn't quite give up all nationalism. And they get hit with the tsunami and then the radiation. So it's, it's quite something. Now China is truly the dominant party, although we're still funding them to the eyeballs to, to be the dominant party. The still class is a third world under the treaties that the same group, mind you, uh, the, through the World Trade Organization, which they also set up, they control that too, uh, set up to, to basically fund all the third world countries up into a higher standard of living as we plummet down the tubes. Because they get all our work and stuff like now, you see. That's all part of the agenda. Quite something, isn't it? But mind you, as we go into austerity, there's a new thing happening. Have you noticed it about wellness? This strange word, wellness. Remember seeing it when it first came out. You see, you see people, how are you? How, how's your health? You know, uh, that's not good enough. It's wellness, you see. And I knew something was up years ago when they started this wellness stuff, and, and the government was pushing it. But now you see, wellness is, is, doesn't matter. You see, it doesn't matter what state you're living in, even in a tent. As long as you're happy, you're well. It's all wellness, you see. It encompasses your, 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 your environment, your, your tent, everything, you see. And there's massive programs being funded uh, by us all to the United Nations to come back to the NGOs to push all this stuff in their face. Of course, these guys that are pushing your face aren't living in tents, you see. Secretary General Ban Ki-moon, uh, and it says, uh, today highlighted the need for an economic paradigm, one of these paradigm shifts, you see, that incorporates social and environmental progress and efforts to achieve sustainable development. So wellness is all part of sustainable development. Gross national product, it says, has long been the yardstick by which economies and politicians have been measured, yet it fails to take into account the social and environmental costs of so-called progress. Secretary General Ban Ki-moon said in his, remarkable, uh, his remarks, it says, at a high-level meeting at the UN headquarters in New York. Convened by the government of uh, Bhutan, it says here, uh, the meeting happiness and well-being, defining a new economic paradigm, I mean poverty is good, you see, brought together hundreds of representatives from governments, religious organizations, academia, and civil society to discuss the issue. And, of course, neither, none of them will be living in tents either, folks, you know. In the early 70s, 1970s, the Himalayan Kingdom introduced a new measurement of national prosperity, focusing on people's well-being rather than economic productivity. I think it's when the Chinese moved and started killing them. But anyway, it says, uh, it says um, in recent years, there's been growing interest in this concept known as gross national happiness, 
Oh, cross-national happiness. I don't have any. I'm empty. My pockets are empty with it. With the General Assembly adopting a resolution in 2011, which noted inter alia that the gross domestic product, the GDP in the cure, does not adequately reflect the happiness and well-being of people in a country. So, see, the intention now is to convince you all that you're happy. You think Orwell was kidding about all this mind game stuff, this, uh, these uh, neuroscience? Everything happens in your head, they said. And George Orwell's 1984, O'Brien convinces Winston, everything that you think and see is all happening in your head. And if I tell you I can fly, I can fly, and you'll believe it. Because it's all happening inside your head. You're not poor. Look around you. You've got, you've got, you know, ten feet of grass to live in. You know, as long as you mow it. But anyway, I mean, this is where it's all going, you see. It's all incredible mind games, and it's going to work. It's already working with some people. Who, Because, you see, they've done this before, down through time, created different kinds of societies. And if they can convince whole nations of slaves not to run away, they can certainly make you feel that you're happy and believe you're happy. If everybody else, you was happy at the same time. You're happy. Oh, yeah, I'm a, what are you on Prozac? Okay, you see. And uh, it'll, happen, it'll work very well. So it says, we need a new economic paradigm that creates the, the, the parity between the three pillars of sustainable development, social, economic, and environmental well-being are indivisible. Together, they're defined gross global happiness. I call it gross, all right. The Secretary General told the meeting's participants. Now, I'll tell you another thing, too. You read this stuff all the time, and how many of you have ever noticed how the United Nations is set up? You take everything for granted again. It was there when you were born. And yet, by Kain Moon, and you've had Kofi Annan and, and Boutros Boutros Galley, so great they named them twice, you know. You've had all that stuff, and you take it all for, for granted, don't you? But look at the terms they use. Look at, it's all military ranking, secretary, general, etc. It is a non-democratic system. This telling us all what to do. It's a militarized organization. It has NATO, which is its slaughter arm. It says the Secretary General stressed that sustainable development is intricately related to happiness and well-being, and underlined that the United Nations Sustainable Development Conference, also known as Rio Plus 20, that's the more strong one that they'll have in Brazil in June, will uh, need to provide an outcome that reflects this. So we're changing from having cash in your pocket and a roof over your head to maybe living in a tent. But regardless of where you're living, you're going to be happy. They'll teach you to be happy. Do you know they already have folk living going around tent cities in the States, psychologists telling the folk to be happy? Oh, it could be worse. You might have no tent at all. You know, I'm not kidding you. You are going in to the next type of insanity, which is going to be called normalcy. And you'll see people all around you starting to grin like Cheshire cats, you know, in rags one day. That's how it's going to go. As they teach you to live like a peasant should live. Post-consumerist society. And all your cash that you can earn at all won't go to, to help you buy better clothes or a better tent. It's, it's going to be going to taxes. 
to spread across the planet to keep these big big, big Secretary General Ban Ki-moon living at the standard of lifestyle that he's used to and acclimatized to. That's where it's gone. All worked out well over a hundred years ago. You've got to read the old books. And they can do it. They can do pretty well anything. I've lived long enough to watch them do lots of things and total, total culture uh, alteration, 180 degrees in some respects, in some areas. And how the people behave, think, and, and, uh, and act. Also tonight I'm putting up an article. They always give you these fake stories of, of rags to riches. You, you love them, I love them. There's some of them are so laughable. It's like the Rothschild just sold rags, you know, in the, in the little shtetl there. And, um, you can see all these guys fighting to, to, to get the rags and, uh, oh, they're mine, they're mine, I'm going to sell them. And, and, and they're all squabbling on that. And suddenly, before you know it, you know, the old man I'm showing and the whole family's just running the central banks of every country. Just, just like that. Thrifty, you see. They're thrifty. Rags to riches. And they're still running the world today. So I'll put up that version, rags to riches. Oh, oh, no. uh, see, all this stuff's put out for you to, to slave for it and to try to achieve that. It doesn't happen that way. I mean, for those that are a bit naive, it really doesn't happen that way. You don't get up unless you're allowed up to whatever, you know, classification of artistry or whatever you want to go into. That's how it really works. And who you know. And even often to do with what group you belong to. So I'll put up that tonight, this, this farcical rags to riches, all, all the stories. They'll have to tell rags to riches. Every one of them is like Madonna. I arrived in London with $10 and a pair of ballet shoes, you know. And then her brother came out and exposed it. It's all rubbish. But they love these stories to tell, sell to the public. Strange that it goes with psychopathy, I think. It's, it's a trait. It must be a trait. And, um, and then I'll also put up one by Monty Python, where you have these industrialists in Britain all getting together and discussing how hard they had it as youngsters and how, how they made it, you see. Because that's how it really works, isn't it? What a joke. What a joke. Now, the UK is to invest £60 million in Climate Research Centre. You know, we've already had all the scandals from the Climate Research Centres in Britain, which really is a political enterprise, because and a money maker too for the guys involved in it. And after all the, the hacked emails and so on, that they, they, they said they had to come together and destroy all their, their emails that contradicted themselves. And much, much more. So £60 million is to go to support the Met Office's Hadley Centre's climate programme until at least 2015 to keep Britain in the forefront of climate science research. We used to just call it the weathermen. You know, the, the weathermen would go up there and, you know, they'd take you outside and they'd show you the little whirling cups going round for the wind and... And they put their hand out for the rain and say, yep, look at this cloud that's going to rain. But now, see, it's a science now. Oh, it's a religion now, you see. Without all this climate change, they can't get all the changes through, including sustainability, meaning poverty. They can't bring in all their wellness programs to make you happy as you roll about in the mud. So th- th- this is the reason they brought in sustainability and climate change together. That would fit the bill, remember. That's what the Club of Rome, who came up with that idea, said in their own book. They were given the job to find a reason to control minutely every person's life across the planet. This is to fit the bill, they said. Climate change, starvation, uh, and um, and the like, they said. But it doesn't matter. You see, 
Orwell explained it perfectly in 1984, and the whole bureaucratic class. That that goes for all the NGOs and everybody who's in on this big scam. That they'll put you to death if you, you don't believe it. They will put you to death, even though yesterday they believed something else. And they're now told to believe this. Even though their eyes don't, don't, and their senses, their sensibilities don't match up with what they actually, what they're told to see and what they actually do see. It doesn't matter. You'll see what they're told to see. They're all on board together. And that's the danger of this kind of government. All governments are dangerous, you know. All of them. Fearful masters, if they become a master. And um, this is the mentality of totalitarianism. Totalitarianism runs on this kind of system of madness. No matter what's true, doesn't matter what's said to be true, will be. It's no different than, than uh, say, the Middle Ages, if the Catholic Church sent its army out to behead somebody in a village. That, that's what happened, you know, because they didn't believe this or they, they, they swore or something like that. I mean, who knows? That's, this is where you're going with all this. You better believe it because it's always the same scenario. And the new scientists are the new priesthood. And we're told we've got to believe them. Even though they keep changing their theories. Just like Orwell said, East Asia, West Asia, who are we fighting today? Even though the, the, the theories keep conflicting with each other, with each new one they come out with, we're supposed to believe it. It was always like that. The new one was always there. Haven't you noticed? This is the system. And Orwell certainly knew because he was trained to bring in the system. Quite something. Now, you can't stop people, of course, because youngsters especially want to be the same as every other youngster. They, they, you go through that awkward stage at school, don't you? Especially when you're growing and, and, and you, you, your legs seem like a deer's. They won't coordinate as you're walking along the road. How do I look? Etc. So you want to be the same. Peer pressure. Teen sells kidney to buy an iPhone. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and it's mentioning that the children, the youngsters, want to be belong to their peer group. If you're the odd one out, believe you me, children are very cruel, and they're going to take it out in the one that's not up to scratch with the way they dress or whatever it is that happens to have. I've seen it too, even when I was young. I could remember them picking on people who had either crutches, a broken leg or something, uh, or something wrong. Uh, they had some sort of brace on their leg. I've seen that happening. As they kind of turn like a natural mob, like animals almost. And everybody wants to be the same, you see. Anything different and bang, that's it. Well, it says here, five people in southern China have been charged with intentional injury in the case of a Chinese teenager who sold a kidney so he could buy an iPhone and an iPad. Notice it wasn't food, eh? The one time it'd be food. No kidding. We'll get to see that because we'll be happy when we give our kidneys away. The government-run Xinhua news agency said on Friday, the five included a surgeon who removed the kidney from a 17-year-old boy in April last year. The boy, identified only by his surname, Wang, uh, now suffers from renal deficiency. Xinhua quoted prosecutors in uh, Zhenghao City, Hunan Province, as saying, well, at least now he can, he can always, you know, he, you know, he can always... Um, text his friends, I suppose, as he's in the hospital and all that. But, I mean, everybody's got to be up to snuff with the rest of the children or, or they're just out the, out the group. You know, you're not in the gang. 
And, and that will happen here too, and things like that, for, for, for technology, not for food. Not for cash to pay your rents, exorbitant rents, as you'll get stuffed into the cities where a handful of folk own all the property. And I mean a handful in the cities too. So everybody wants to be the same, be the same, be the same. But it's true, at one time it would have been food. They would have sold a kidney to even feed a family or something like that. Still doing the Philippines. And rich people in the West are buying the kidneys. But mind you, be happy, Mr. Baikemoons. Be happy, he says. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not a matter of gross domestic product or what's in your pocket. It's a matter of how you feel. Wellness. Wellness. You're bringing wellness into it. And maybe give you up. You might even get some chewing gum to patch your tent and stop the rain coming in. And then you'll be happy again for another night. And it's happy from day to day with all these little miracles that happen. Eh? I'm not kidding you. And it will work. Because most folk, they know how to implement it and work it into your minds. Why? They've tried all the countries out in, under incredible war situations, rationing the whole bit. They're losing their homes through, through the, the raids and so on from different countries, air raids. Remember the Green Party's chief in the UK said that we're going to get a war scenario going across the world because people are willing to put up with much more deprivation than when they're in a consumerist society. They're not, they're not kidding. Of course, most folk out there, they'll think, oh, things are just developing willy-nilly, you know, it's all chance. And, of course, Microchip came out with their latest chip. Goodness knows how many chips are actually in the darn phones. They're doing things you haven't a clue about. They won't tell you for about 10 years down the road. This is Broadcam has just rolled out a chip for smartphones that promises to indicate location ultra-precisely, possibly within a few centimeters, vertically and horizontally, indoors and out now. Why would they want something as precise as that? Remember about the satellites the other day, the war satellites and things like that? And they couldn't just pick you off from anywhere. Never mind all the, the, the wave technology they've got out there too. I might put up that link tonight as well. They're boasting about it now. Non-lethal, they say. The train, the animals, you know, us. Well, from Hamish, myself, Ontario, Canada, be well, be well and be happy. Wherever you are, even if you're starving, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>